Good morning, everyone. This is Pastor Troy Vine with the Raven Institute of Ministry and Biblical Studies. Coming to you live right here from our studios in sunny central Florida. Good to have everyone here today uh, for what could possibly be our final class on the book of Romans. I say what quite quite good because you never know what God will do in this rapid hour. Praise God. Good to have you here today. If you are joining us for the very first time, this is a the Raven Institute of Ministry and Biblical Studies, which is a ministry of Raven Ministries International. And we are here, uh, have been here for the last year, typically Monday through Friday, from 9 a.m. until 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time for an expository teaching in the Word of God. And we've been on a really a, a quest uh, for the, the, the really the, the revelation of God and for the really those unsearchable riches of Christ Jesus in the Book of Romans. It's been a tremendous time. Actually, today is going to be class number 197 in our series on the book of Romans. But if you've not been with us in the past, those classes are available online by going to our website at www.biggrace.com and clicking on Raven Institute. You'll see that all of those are available right there uh, for free MP3 download. You can take them to your, uh, your computer, MP3 player. You can put them on a compact disc, however you'd like to have it. But those things are available absolutely free of charge. Freely we have received and freely we give. And so we thank you so much for being a part of this teaching and this opportunity to really get into the Word of God in a new and exciting dimension, I believe. So thank you so much for joining us with it. And really, a, a big thanks to all you guys that have been involved in this from the beginning. You've just made it so possible and so exciting as we study the Word of God and uh, continue just to, to allow that, that Word to go forth, um, not just to you, but really to the nations. We've seen literally tens of thousands of downloads from the time that we started in this class of our, our teachings on the book of Romans. So I know that that word is going out and it's not returning void, but it is accomplishing all those things that God sent it to do, and that is to bring people to the knowledge of His Son, Jesus, unto salvation. So once again, thank you all so, so much for being here. If you have any questions uh, concerning this program or any of the teachings as you listen to those, not just now but later, you can actually email any questions at study at BigGrace.com, S-T-U-D-Y, study at BigGrace.com. And we'd love to answer any of your questions, not only about the, our study on the book of Romans, but any questions you have concerning a, a passage of Scripture, any question that you might have, we'd be glad to, to help you in any way we can. We don't pretend to have all the answers, but we know who does. And we don't mind getting with you and searching the Scriptures and finding answers to your questions and and. and investing in back into you what God has invested or revealed to us. So uh, remember, study at BigRace.com. If you have any prayer requests, you can send those to pray at BigRace.com. We are here actually again on Tuesday evenings from 8.30 until 10 o'clock p.m. for our Raven Nation program. And at, during that program, we'll take intercessory prayer requests and praying for, for people all over the world and uh, as our teams gather. And uh, we'd love to include you in that list of prayer requests as well as we seek the face of God and just believing for really great breakthrough, miracles, and salvation in the uh, in these last days. And so let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning. Let's ask for His blessing on this our, our time of study in the Word of God and just uh, believe that God's going to just show us some incredible things today in His precious holy name. Father, we just thank You for this day. And we just rejoice, Lord God, that this is our opportunity, Lord God, to come before You, Father, in, in humility, Lord God, but expectancy at the same time. Father, we, we thank You, Lord God, that Your Word is that lamp unto our feet, it's that light unto our path. 
Lord God, it's that, 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 that illumination, Lord God, that, that really lights up, Lord God, that place that you're taking us to. Father, I thank you that we're not, Lord God, children of the darkness, but we're children of the light. And Father, we don't have to stumble around wondering what's going to happen, Lord God, but through your word, Father, you've just given us a revelation. And that word becomes that, that discerner of the thoughts, even in the intents of our hearts. And Father, it's able to, 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 to show us, Lord God, that directive that we need to have. And it's able to give us that, that assurance and that confidence that all we do, Lord God, in you. So we thank you, Lord God, for your word today. And Father, we ask you today just to search our hearts. Father, see if there be any wicked way within us, if there be any unconfessed or unrepentant sin. Father, we don't want that to stand in the way or be an, uh, an impediment, Lord God, to us receiving what you want to speak to us today. So, Father, we lay those things down, Lord God, at your feet. And we ask you to cleanse and forgive us. Father, any thought, Lord God, any uh, wrong motivation, Lord God, any, any, any deed, Lord God, anything that we would do, Lord God, that would, Father, would put us, Lord God, in the category of, of walking in the flesh. We do not desire those things, Father. We want to decrease that you might increase. And so, Father, Father, allow us to decrease today, Lord God, through casting off imaginations or anything that would exalt itself against the knowledge of Christ Jesus. We just take those things under captivity today. We just ask you to fill us, Lord God, with your word and with your power and with your spirit today, Lord God, in a, in a, in a new and, and deeper way in the name of Jesus. And Father, I just pray for each one here today. I just pray that they're, as, as they study your word, Lord God, not just in this, this form. But, Lord God, on their own, that, that their spirit would lead and guide into all truth. That you just begin to give them, Lord God, a, a wisdom and an understanding, Lord God, and a clarity, Lord God, on your scripture. Father, I thank you, Lord God, that it's, it's so simple. And the adversary, Lord God, wants to rob us of the simplicity of the word. But, Father, I thank you, Lord God, that you're the one that comes to open our eyes. You said, let those that have eyes to see, see, and ears to hear, hear that which you would speak unto the, your church. And, Father, we just have, we want our eyes open and our ears unstopped, Lord God, that we could be receptive and responsive, Lord God, to the word of truth, Lord God, as it comes forth. Father, we pray for those that are sick in body. And we ask in the name of Jesus that you just begin to touch and heal them. Lord God, whatever they're struggling with, we thank you, Lord God, that the word tells us that the Jesus, Lord God, bore stripes upon his back, Lord God, that we might be healed. That you sent your word, who became flesh, Jesus Christ, to heal us. And we're, we pray, Lord God, for those that are sick in, in body, Lord God, sick, Lord God, in other, in other ways, Lord God, of their life, emotionally, Lord God, mentally, spiritually, whatever it may be. And we thank you, Lord God, that we serve a God that is able to heal, Lord God. So we ask that you would touch and just do miracles, Greatly, Lord God, in the name of Jesus, we pray. We just ask, Lord God, for your directive on this teaching today, Lord God, that, that it would be ordained of you, to be directed by you, Lord God, and it would be able to derive much from it. We ask all these things in Jesus' precious holy name. And everybody said, Amen, 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 and Amen. We finish up today. We're going to have to have like some fireworks or something going off, Dad. Can you, can you pull that off? She's looking around thinking, is there something I can blow up here? Yeah, I don't want you blowing up anything here in the studio, but praise God for that. Folks, listen, we are right here in the book of, of Romans, obviously. You know, last uh, in our last class, which was last Friday for you you guys that are on with us live, you know, so we see that, that Paul really uh, served to, to recognize really the, the role that all those people that had played such a, a vital role in his life and in the body of Christ's lives as well, uh, not just in Rome, but in, in other places along the way. It, but after he had given that, that really that, that he'd given thanks for them and recognizing them by name, you know, he brings them back to that place of, of really a, a place of, of, of warning uh, concerning those who would, would cause a, a division in the, in the body uh, by false and erroneous teachings. And, and one of the things that he said, and you know, I, I think about it so many times, he said, mark them, and he said, avoid them. 
In other words, don't don't cater to that stuff, folks. And, and don't don't compromise with them, and, and don't uh, and certainly don't partake of their false teachings. Don't say, well, you know what, I'm going to uh, just get a little bit, or I'm going to, as we say, I used the phrase last week, you know, chew up the the sticks, uh, the grass, and spit out the sticks. Folks, listen, when, when people are teaching false and erroneous teaching, you, you need to avoid that. You need to mark that stuff. There's been so much, and I think back you know, 20 years or whatnot, there's been people that have brought things, uh, tried to bring things out, and people say, well, you know, I don't agree with everything they said. You know, but the, the thing they said was total heresy. Yeah, I, I could name so many false teachers that are so popular even to this day and tell you things that they teach, and you'd say, well, I don't believe that. And I'd say, well, what do you call that? Well, i say that was totally wrong, and that's totally off. But there's other things that probably you would eat up and, and, and just consume that they did. Folks, Paul's warning says, listen, you need to avoid them. If they're bringing those things, a little leaven's going to leaven the whole lump. You don't need to, uh, to, to cater to that stuff because what it is, is, is that's just a trap that's being set before you. And folks, we need to really be watchful of all those things in our hearts and lives uh, uh, in regards to, to false and erroneous teachings. And the only way you can do that is to, to get into the Word of God and to know the Word of truth. Otherwise, you'll never see that stuff coming. Then in verse 18 of Romans chapter 16, he says, he says this. He says, because, he says, the reason he wants you to warn, he warned against those false teachers. He said, because they are such, uh, for they that are such serve not our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly, and by good words and fair speeches deceive the hearts of the simple. Folks, listen, what he's telling us is while they may be using the name of the Lord, and, and while other people, pardon? Good, 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 good. Okay, we'll try it there. Might have just been a bad cold. We need to mark that one. Okay. Uh, folks, anyway, Romans 16, 18, it says, uh, we're really talking about uh, these false teachers and these ones that would bring this division in through false doctrine. It says, for they are such that serve not our Lord Jesus Christ, but it says they serve their own uh, uh, belly by good words and fair speeches that see the hearts of the simple. <clears throat> Folks, here's the deal. They may not. They may be using the name of the Lord, and while uh, others may even think that they're they're serving the Lord, really, when it comes down to it, their main goal or ambition is to feed their own fleshly desires. Now, that fleshly desire could be anything. It could be, you know. Uh, Filthy lucre. It could be, uh, you know, thinking godliness is gain. It could be power. It could be ad- admiration of people or whatever it may be. But folks, here's the deal. And Paul's really warning the, the, the church at Rome. And, and I'll, I'll warn you as well. Don't be fooled by the slick salesmanship, uh, the, the crafted speeches, all these things that are designed to really manipulate the, the hearts and minds of, of those who, who may be very sincere in wanting to hear something in regards to, to the Lord Jesus Christ. Because there's so many people that are sincere, that get caught up in a lot of the false and erroneous teaching, that if you talk to them and say, man, that person really seems to, to love God, that person really seems to be seeking after God, and absolutely they do. But the thing about it is, there is an, a, an adversary out there who's very shrewd and very cunning, who's, who's setting a trap, and he's, he's deceiving people. And how does he do that? You know, we know that he presents himself as an angel of light and as ministers, as ministers of righteousness. And so he's always going to use those terminologies, that vernacular, uh, that, that nomenclature, if I may, uh, that, that sounds like the right thing. But within it, within the confines of it, there's still yet a, 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 a deceitfulness that the adversary uses. And, and Paul the Apostle is, is just really serving a, a warning to all those that, that don't be caught up in those type of things. And folks, listen, I, I love how he really starts out in the first chapter and we're, as we're closing out this series. 16th chapter, 16th and final chapter today. He, he brings all that stuff to various. And listen, I'm telling you all these things. 
But you've got to be watchful. You've learned these things, but you've got to be watchful. But then in verse 19, I love this. He says, he says But for your obedience has come abroad unto all men. And he said, I am glad, therefore, on your behalf, but, but yet I would have you uh, wise unto that which is good and, and simple concerning evil. He, he says, you know, your obedience has come abroad unto all men. You know, Paul the Apostle is, is really making the point that this people, these people were, were, were not associated with these false teachers. He wanted to make that point because he, he comes out and he says, you know what, don't, don't serve those that, 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 that aren't serving the Lord Jesus Christ by their good words and by their fair speeches. They deceive hearts. But he wants to make the point in this letter, listen, the people I'm addressing, they're not that group. These folks are, are, are really uh, sticklers to the Word of God. They, they love God. They're seeking after those simple truths of the message of the gospel. And so he's, he's really addressing them, and he's, he's saying though, these are not the ones that have been spreading the false teaching. Then I love what he says. He says, your obedience. That word your is a word that's used in the emphatic. And what it's doing, he says, listen, I've got a confidence in you. I've got a confidence in that you're grounded in the Word of God. But yet he still knew that, that, that even though he had a confidence in them, that, that they weren't immune to just this really that craftiness that the adversary uses. Uh, and, and they needed to be watchful and, di- and diligent. You know, there's, there's people that I know that, uh, uh, that regardless of what's happening, because I know they're grounded, that they may be going through a, a little blip. Uh, but ultimately, you know what? Well, There's no worries, and they they may they may uh, look like they're going to run aground, but really it's it's not a stressful situation because I know that they're grounded in the Word, and I, you know we have people like that in, in our ministry that you know they may be going through a hard time or uh, just a little situation, but I can say to myself, you know. I'm not really concerned about that because I know the words in them and they're always going to respond back in righteousness to the word of God. And that's what Paul the Apostle was saying to the church at Rome here in, in Romans 16, 19. He said, listen, I'm, I'm, I'm emphatic. I know that you're obedience uh, and, and there's, a, there's, a, there's a confidence in that. But I just want you to be aware that there's an enemy out there that's still uh, going about uh, uh, wreaking havoc and destruction on anybody that would listen. Then he says, I'm glad, therefore, on your behalf. And then this is Paul the Apostle as kind of that father in the gospel. You know, we, we know that there, there, there's many teachers but not many fathers. And Paul the Apostle was a father to these people in the spiritual sense. And he's showing how just how proud he is of them. He said, listen, I'm glad, therefore, on your behalf. He said, listen, I'm looking into your life. And there's others that have heard the word of truth and they've, they've, they've wandered away. There's ones that have claimed to be on our side. Then, then they, they, they walk off into the place of unrighteousness. But he's saying, listen, man, there's, there, I've got, I'm so glad on your behalf because there is such a testimony of your steadfastness that's carried about, around in the, in the testimony of other people. Then he says, but yet I would have you wise unto that which is good and simple concerning evil. Now, folks, here's what Paul the Apostle always did and what I'm going to do today. And it's, you know, even though I know that you're in the Word, even though he, he said, I know that you have this steadfastness, he said, I'm going to express a warning to you to make a few things, make you aware of a few things in the process. And really three things right here he's making them aware of. Number one is that you have got to be grounded in the Word of God. Folks, listen, when, when false doctrine comes, with, with, with false teaching, erroneous things come, if you're grounded in the Word of God, what will happen is you'll be able to recognize those things before they get deep set within the body of Christ. Especially you folks who are, are teachers, who are any type of leadership, you've got to be grounded in the Word of God and you've got to be aware of those things that are happening in, in, within the body of Christ. Because if you're grounded in the Word, anytime something comes along the pike, what's going to happen? Boom. You're going to have that, that spiritual radar is going to pop up. That, that the radar that's built upon the Word of God. And you're going to say, ho, 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 we've got to check that thing just a little bit and, and see how that thing measures up against the Word of God. And, and folks, really, you, you know, regardless of what your situation is, you need to be one of those people that as soon as the, the alarm is sounded, 
You need to sound the alarm. The alarm sounded in your heart. You need to say, wait just a second. And now, here, here's, what I'm, here's what I'm not just implying. Here's what I'm saying. If you're in your church and something's coming off the pulpit that sounds false or erroneous, maybe it's a, a, a guest speaker, maybe it's you know whoever speaks there, what you need to do is just hold your hand up. Say, ho, ho, can you stop just for a second? I need to ask a question about that. Now, you may say to yourself, man, that, that, are they going to allow that? Well, really, what they allow versus what they don't allow is not your concern. Your, your responsibility is to the truth, to be that, that watchman. Now, I'm not saying jump up and say you're a bunch of heretics. No, I'm not saying that. I'm saying be orderly. But at the same time, we've got to be aware of those things. That's how the church of the Lord Jesus Christ was established uh, initially. That's that whole Berean-type philosophy that we're, we, we've talked about out of Acts 17.11 time and time again right here on this, on this program. We need to be in that type of environment that, that cultivates truth, that cultivates an understanding. Because if something's coming off the pulpit, if it's just a misunderstanding, it needs to be clear. If it's, if it's not a misunderstanding, it's erroneous teaching, it needs to be corrected. And so really, I just encourage you to be that type of individual that your radar's up and you say, I, I say that to myself. If, I, if you're with me and I'm preaching, I'm saying something, don't hesitate to say, hey, can you bring some clarity to that because I don't really understand that. I don't mind whatsoever stopping uh, what I'm doing and saying, yeah, let's back up just a little bit because I wouldn't want something to go and you get the misconception of what's going on. So we need to have that type of mentality. And that's what Paul was saying. He said, yeah, I would have you to be wise in that which is good and simple concerning Concerning evil, you got to use wisdom in those type of things. Then the second thing that he's really pointing out is that is, folks, listen, you're not immune uh, to the treachery of the adversary. You know, Satan uh, will really never is going to let up in his attempts to defile you in some way. And really, every uh, believer must and has got to be on the lookout. Uh, for that one who goes about like a roaring lion seeking him he may devour. And you know, I, I was thinking about that this morning. This whole thing about, you know, he goes about like a roaring lion seeking to devour. You know, I've heard people say in pulpits many times, you know, Satan is like a roaring lion. But, and they say, you know, he's just like it. He just roars because he doesn't have any teeth. And he just makes a lot of noise. I've heard people say that so many times, real sincere. You know, they'll be getting their preach on, you know, oh, Satan's like a roaring lion. He's just making a lot of noise. He don't have any teeth. I'd have to say that anybody who believes that is living a life in a fog. They don't really understand who our adversary is. Folks, listen, we have an adversary who is very real. And he's going about to steal, kill, and destroy. And the adversary would love nothing more than to rob you of your, your hope, your, your life, and ultimately your soul. And the way he does that is through uh, 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 his deception. And folks, i got news for you. He's got plenty of teeth. And, and some of you would say, yeah, amen, I've got plenty of bite marks on me where he's tried to bite me uh, through uh, various type of things. And folks, he, his teeth may, be not, may not be like pointed like Dracula or look like the, the tail end of a pitchfork, but, but really he has razor sharp teeth of deception, of lust, of jealousy, of envy, of pride, of greed. Think about it. Those are all the teeth. And I tell you what, if, if you get too close to that stuff, what he's going to do, he's going to sink those teeth into your life and he's going to bite a chunk out of you. And so, yeah, we've got to be aware of we, we fight a very real adversary. As long as we're walking in the Spirit, as long as we're, we're, we're in Christ Jesus, then we, we've got a victory. And this is the victory that overcomes even our faith. But folks, I tell you what, if you wander outside the parameters of faith and you get into deception and some type of erroneous teaching, what you're going to find is the adversary is going to sink his teeth of treachery into your heart and life in any place that he can, any place that you find yourself uh, vulnerable to him. So you need to be very aware of that because he's subtle too. He'll sneak up on you. It, it, it's kind of like walking up. You know, I remember when I was a kid, I was probably uh, no more than eight years old, that the neighbor kid had a uh, had a big dog 
and uh, he brought the dog over, and uh, I was going to pet that dog. And as soon as I reached out to pet it, the dog attacked me and bit me numerous, numerous times. And, you know, it acted like it wanted to be my friend. It acted like those things. But what it did, it started sinking its teeth into me. And folks, listen, that's the way the adversary is. He, he'll present it something that, that looks so glamorous, so glorious, so perfect, and boom. How many women have found themselves, uh, or men for that matter, uh, have found themselves really seduced into a relationship? Somebody's saying, you know, I love you and I'm a God-fearing person or whatever else. The next thing they do, they, they begin to want you to defile yourself maybe through sexual immorality or something else. And before you know it, you've you're totally deviated from what it was. Why? Because somebody came with, once again, those, uh, those, those good words and fair speeches and they were able to deceive your heart. Folks, just be aware that the adversary is the one behind those things and the adversary is out there to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And so the next thing, you know, he, he goes on to say the third point that I want to make out of that verse right there in verse 19. He says, and be simple concerning evil. And what that does is it declares if we'll just keep the focus on the main things and not get caught up in a bunch of nonsense and all these new revelations, but really if we'll just maintain our focus upon the simple message of the cross, then folks, what it'll do, it, it, because we're, we're honed in on that, all these other peripheral things, all these other things that could uh, set a trap for you of deception, you'll be aware of. You know, I believe that's why Paul the Apostle said in 2 Corinthians 2.2, he said, I'm determined not to know anything among you but Christ and Him crucified. If I can keep it on the cross, if I can keep that message there, you know, all that other stuff doesn't have a place. And what you'll notice is when somebody begins to get off in the realm of false teaching or, or something that is extra biblical, I should say, they'll, they'll, they'll abandon the cross right off the bat. Because the cross, folks, isn't a glamorous place. It's a, it's a place that that, caused, that not only well, Christ was crucified, obviously, but causes a death to ourself. The cross doesn't promise anything but eternal life. It promises redemption. It doesn't promise you uh, a, a fatter wallet. It doesn't promise you a bigger house or a nicer car. What the cross does, it, it, it comes to save you from the wrath to come. And so if we can stay, just like what he said, and just, just stay simple. If we'll stay simple concerning evil, if we'll keep it close to the cross and we'll keep it right there at the simplicity of the message of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, folks, you'll be, you'll, they'll be hard-pressed uh, in deceiving you. What you'll do is you'll be able to see that stuff coming. Why? Because you will live there. And really all that stuff, you think about that verse, your, your obedience to come abroad, I'm glad therefore on your behalf, but I would have you be wise, which that's good, concerning, uh, and simple concerning evil. It, it really all goes back to Genesis 2.17. When, uh, when God just simply told them, He said, listen, I'm giving you dominion over everything. He said, but what I'm telling you not to do is to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Yet, it was simple. I mean, think about it. Everything except one thing. It was very simple. Yet, they were deceived. Now, think about that just for a second. Here's, here's the, the first children. Here's the offspring who had never been brought up in an abusive house, who had never suffered lack, who had never... You, you see what I'm saying? They were in the perfect environment. And he told them to keep it simple. But what happened? They allowed themselves to be tempted out of that. And so they were bit by that curiosity bug by saying, you know what, I just wanted to go and check something out for myself. You know, we was witnessing this past weekend out on the streets here in Daytona Beach. And I had somebody, I was talking to a young man. And he said, you know, listen, he said, really, the only, he said, you know, yeah, I, I love God, I'm serving God. But, you know, sometimes, you know, you have to kind of experience things for yourself before you can ever really witness to somebody else about it. And I had to stop him in his tracks. I said, man, that sounds like the devil talking. I said, that's certainly what Jesus did. I said, you know, Jesus was our great high priest, uh, and, but, but he never sinned. He never experienced drug addiction. He never just experienced, you know, uh, sexual immorality. He never experienced lying. He never did those things. 
And I said, so you're telling me Jesus is not qualified to speak into your life concerning those things? Well, well, well. You know, he started backtracking from that point. Folks, just don't think to yourself, well, I just want to go check something out for myself. Uh, the devil is the devil is the devil. He's a liar. He's the liar. He's a liar. And, and you're not going to be able to find something within the cracks that's going to find uh, something uh, redeemable characteristic in, in what he's doing. Folks, listen. If it's bad, stay away from it. If it's erroneous, if it's false... Do not touch it. Don't say, well, there's a few chapters in that book that I can glean from. Folks, don't get caught up in that stuff. Run. There's, there's 66 books right here on your bookshelf of the Word of God that you need to be into. And if you'll just keep it that simple many times, i tell you what you're going to see. You're going to see God is bringing you victory, able to overcome all that deceitfulness of the adversary. In verse uh, uh, 20 in chapter 16, he said this, and the, and the God of peace shall bruise Satan under your feet shortly. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. And the God of peace, that's that Eero peace. It's E-I-R-O, Eero peace. And, and literally what it means, it means to bind together that which was formerly separated. And it's not this, this cozy type of peace. It's like, oh, I've just got this floating feeling and this, this peace that you hear so many people talk about. You'll say, well, hey, what are you going to do? Uh, and they'll say, well, I'm going to do this. Well, you know, is God telling you that? Well, I have a peace about it. Folks, listen, that's not the type of peace he's talking about. Look at, I love what that arrow means. It means to, it means a binding together. And it's, it's a lot like, uh, you know, Paul the Apostle telling the church at Corinth that you're the, the body, that there's a, there's a, that we're fitly joined together, that there's a, there's a, a supplying of that. It's like the, the whole Ephesians principle that, that we're to be together, that we'd be, be built up into that, that, that spiritual body with one another. And folks, if we have that, then what do we have? We have a safety net. And so the God of peace is one that binds together. That means if, if there's something going on in my life, what do I have? I can go and I can say, hey, brother, will you pray about this for me? Can we be, can we be bound together? Think about it. We're, uh, if, if two or, uh, or three agree is touching anything on earth, well, it's the same as done in heaven. Whatsoever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And so when I get into agreement with brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus and we're praying along the same, what do we do? We're binding those things together. And as a result, the adversary can't come in through a different inroad. And so that God of peace, he's saying, listen, the reason I've given put the body of Christ together is for that strength. You know, there's a lot of people that, that don't mind making decisions on their own. At the end of the day, they'll shake their fist at the body of Christ and say, why weren't you there to help me? And so the body of Christ looks back and says, well, why weren't you asking me uh, the opinion of the body of Christ before you ended up in the ditch? Then I wouldn't have to help you because I would have already helped you. Folks, listen, there's something about that. Now think about Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verses 9 through 12. Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 12. And it says this, it says, two are better than one because they have a, a good reward for their labor. So, if, Because if they fall, one will lift up his fellow, but woe to him that is alone when he falls and does not have another to help him up. Again, if two lie together, they will have heat, but how can one be warm alone? And if one prevail against him, two shall withstand him, and a threefold cord is not quickly broken. Folks, listen, if we can come together, the threefold cord is us, one another, and the, the Spirit of God in our life. And if we're, we're walking in that type of peace, that Eero type of peace being bound together, what happens? We're, we're, we're strengthened. You know, I, I know with our ministry, especially with what we do in regards to, say, like our, we do a Mardi Gras outreach. You guys are listening for the first time. Since 1996, we've been taking teams into the city of New Orleans during Mardi Gras right there uh, into the French Quarter. And what we do is we've always functioned as a team, as that thing that's bound together. Rather than, than pulling our bus up with 100 people in it and saying, okay, we'll see you all at midnight. What we've always done is we say, let's move into a place and take it over. Let's go and, and, and be strong with one another and give that, that demonstration of, of strength. And, and what we've, as a result of that, folks, we've seen literally hundreds and thousands of people come to the Lord Jesus Christ in the last 12 years 
from that whole concept of being bound together. That way, if you have somebody that's that's kind of a novice in that type of ministry, you can put them together with someone that's that's strong in the faith. And, and we saw that. We saw this past year. There was a couple young men that came out of one of our Texas teams that had really never been in that type of environment. And so, and they were really struggling one night. And they said, "Man, we don't even know if we want to go out in the streets. It's just overwhelming." And so, what did I do? I separated those two brothers and I put them with a couple of our pastors. And boy, I tell you what, then. They were strengthened. They had that peace. They were bound together and they were able to function. So folks, listen, that's what the body of Christ is. Two is better than one and a, and a threefold cord is not quickly broken. And as a result of that, what ends up happening? We shall bruise Satan under our feet shortly is what it says in the next part of that. And folks, really, if you if you look at that, that's really a twofold pro, uh, uh, prophetic fulfillment. And if you if I think about that, if I if I ask you, hey, where did that start at? Where did where did you hear that terminology? That yeah, you hear it in Genesis chapter three, fourteen and fifteen, and it says, and the Lord said unto the serpent, because you have done this, you are cursed above all cattle and above every beast of the field. Upon your belly you shall go, and the dust shall you eat all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your seed and her seed, and that seed shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. Obviously, that, was, that spoke of the, the, the fact that, that, that Jesus would one day come as the seed of the woman, and the, at the cross, he would crush his head, uh, and, and, and he would be bruised as a result of it, obviously the offering himself up. But it also speaks to the fact that if we stay anchored in the word of God, then regardless of the fight that we may have to endure, that the end result of our battle will always be victory over the devil. Now, folks, listen, when that prophecy was given out of Genesis 3, 14 and 15, was there a fight involved? Absolutely. There was a fight all the way to the cross. There was a great suffering and things that our Savior had to go through in order to do that. And, folks, it's the same thing with you. I'm not telling you that if you'll stay in the Word that it's going to be easy street. What I'm telling you, if you stay in the Word and you stay grounded in faith in a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ and stay repentant, that there's going to be a victory for you at the end of that battle. There is going to be a battle. The Word tells us that all that live righteous in Christ Jesus will suffer for persecution and we know that in this world you will have tribulation but he said do not fear for I've overcome the world and so there is a fight that's got to be fought but you'll never know a real victory until you've actually been in the fight and so we've been promised the opportunity to fight with the promise of victory on the other side if we remain steadfast immovable and we're always abounding in those things that God has for us and it says as a result of that he said there'll be enmity uh, 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 there'll be that uh, excuse me Satan shall uh, be bruised under your feet shortly to be bruised means to literally to crush and to trample under underfoot and it implies a finishing blow and so it's not just a, you know, we think of a bruise and we just think of something, oh, just get over it. But this word in, in the Greek literally means like a finishing blow. And when it, when it bruises something, it means that it's crushed, it's trampled, that it's obliterated. And so we, we know that we're, we're going to have the ability in Christ Jesus and walking with Him that we're going to be able to deliver that finishing blow to the adversary. And so shortly means uh, speedily and implies that Satan's defeat is certain. And while he may feel as though he's gained the upper hand, uh, his feelings are going to be very short-lived. And you, you see that. I love it. You see that throughout the Word of God. And, and once again, short-lived, you know, a day is unto the Lord a thousand years, a thousand years is a day. But you'll see that many times the adversary probably 
thought that he had it. You know, I'm sure that when Jesus died up on the cross and they pulled his lifeless body down, that there was some rejoicing going on. But what happened three days later? Three days later, I tell you what, the stone was rolled away and he that was dead said, you know, death, where's your sting? Grave, where's your, your victory? That death has been swallowed up in victory and he rose from the dead. It was very short-lived. And it's the same thing, you know, if you'll stay steadfast and grounded in the Word of God, yeah, you may have uh, some sorrow. You know, sorrow may endure for a night, but joy will come in the morning. And if I can just remain faithful to those things, even if that, even if my trial lasts me uh, uh, a week, six months, six years, whatever it is, in, in the scope of eternity, folks, those things are going to be short-lived and there's going to be a bruising, a final crushing blow to the adversary who's only uh, came to steal, kill, and destroy everything in my life. And so we really need to, to press into that, that truth and to, to, to stand in faith on that. Then he says, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be in you, the, the last part of verse 20, uh, uh, amen. And really, folks, that sums up the message of the new covenant. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Folks, the new covenant is the covenant of grace. And it's not, it's, the Old Covenant wasn't an Old Covenant of grace. There was grace mentioned in the Old Covenant. But think about John 1.17, the Gospel of John 1.17. He said, for the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Christ Jesus. And so, the, the Old Covenant was a, was, a, was a covenant of the law, but the New Covenant is a covenant of grace. And so, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. And so, folks, listen, our, our covenant and our ability is out of that message of grace. And, and, you know, we, we've given the, the definition many times. You may want it again. But grace literally in the Greek is charis. And it means the divine influence of God upon the heart and its reflection in your life. And so, folks, listen. I can not only be influenced by grace, but through faith, I can be reflective of the properties of grace. Now, think about that. That's exciting for me. That if I've got the Word of God in my life, that if I'm searching the Scriptures and I'm allowing the Word of God to come alive to me and it becomes a, my, my, my steady dietary intake of, of, and consuming that Word into my heart and life, that way when grace comes, what I'm doing is I'm providing a, a greater reflective surface for grace to be reflected in my life. You know, folks, there's people that, that come to the Lord and they're sincere and, you know, their, their, their whole uh, summation of everything that they know and, and really the totality of their, their depth in the Scripture may be just John 3.16. That, you know, maybe like the thief on the cross. You know, the thief on the cross hung there and, uh, you know, he, he cried out to, to the Lord Jesus and he said, today you'll be with me in paradise. But, you know, uh, there wasn't a whole lot of testimony there. The testimony was he was a lying thief that was condemned because of his death. But there was a little bit of reflection there. The reflection of you know, crying out to Jesus and asking for mercy. And enough to get him into heaven. But folks, when we begin to allow the word to come into our life. And we become overcomers by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of our testimony. Living our lives not even unto the death. What happens? We, we really literally create a greater reflective surface for him. We, we want that word of God embedded unto us. We, we want that reflective service to be in our words. And what we watch and what we think, and what we do, and how we entreat others within the body of Christ. And so if there's, a, if there's an area in your life that is not reflective of Jesus, there's, there's probably the absence of the Word of God, or a revelation of the Word of God, or a knowledge of the Word of God on that subject matter. If, you're, if you say, man, I love God, but you know what, I, I just can't even treat my wife right. Well, probably you need to get into the Word of God and, and see what Ephesians chapter 5 says. Husbands, love your wives as Christ gave, uh, loved the, the church and gave himself for it. Or, or, or different areas within the Scripture. You need to say, listen, I want my life to be reflective of the character of Christ Jesus. But the only way, folks, that that's done is through the Word of God. You have people that are walking in bondages. And you'll tell them, and honestly, they didn't know it was bondage. They didn't know anything was wrong about it until you gave them the Word. Folks, listen, and, and I want to say this to you. We are required to walk 
within the, 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 the measure of revelation that God has brought to us through His Word. Where there's no law, there's no sin. Does that mean that there's one sin to get you? But does it mean that that's not? What it means is that, listen, as that Word of God comes to us and we have an understanding of it, there's a responsibility that comes into our life as a result of what we know. And, and as we grow in that, we're going to have a greater victory. We're not going to find ourselves struggling. We're not going to find ourselves, well, you know what, I can do a little bit of this and a little bit of that. What you're going to find is as you press into Him and you work out your salvation with fear and trembling, man, God's going to challenge you and it's going to be a deeper walk and it's going to be more reflective of His character. That's what John said. Let me decrease in this age of grace that He might Increase That way when people look into your life, they don't see you. They don't see Bob. They don't see Brenda. They don't see Tony. They don't see Cheryl. But they're looking into your life and they're seeing Jesus. Why? Because of the Word of God in you, you've created this reflective surface for the divine influence of God to come out and reveal the character of Christ Jesus in your life. I hope you, hope, you, hope you get that and understand that because it's so important in this covenant that we have with Christ Jesus to be a picture of him to a lost and dying world. Then he goes on to verse 21. He said, Timotheus, uh, my worker, and Lucius, and Jason, and Sustapater, my kinsmen, salute you. You know, Timothy, you know, obviously we know who Timothy is. That's uh, his understudy. You know, we see two letters written to Timothy, two tremendous pastoral epistles in First and Second Timothy. So much, so much truth. Probably two of my, my favorite uh, epistles that Paul wrote uh, uh, right here with the book of Romans as well. Uh, but, you know, Timothy, that young understudy, and so he's, he's, he's making, you know, uh, a salutation to him as well. Then, then Lucius, Lucius possibly, there's not a whole lot of evidence for this one way or the other, but quite possibly maybe Luke the physician, because this is really the only place that it's mentioned. There's not a whole lot of other things that would point to somebody else, but... You know, Luke's the one that obviously had the gospel uh, uh, that was written as his name. And, and Luke also was the one who penned the book of Acts. And, and just kind of a, a side note, as far as the, the, the amount of writing goes, uh, Luke was the one that, that wrote more than anyone else. We always think Paul because of the number of books. But if you'll just take word for word the writing, the, the book of Luke, Luke and the book of Acts has actually a collective of more material, so to speak, than, than anyone else. And so you think about who wrote more. Actually, it was Luke. So this possibly could have been Luke the physician here. Uh, it's, re- it's not real certain, but, but chances are that it was. The Jason, Jason is, it may very well be the same Jason that was mentioned in Acts chapter 17, verses 5 and 7. Then uh, Sostipater uh, uh, was also mentioned in Acts 20 and 4. And so these are just people that had worked with Paul the Apostle and had been, a, what's that? Question? Oh, okay. Jason, uh, Acts 17. Five and seven. That's what I just said. I said, if you got a question, you can raise your hand. So Deb in the studio is raising her hand. Jason, Acts 17, 5 and 7. The other one is Acts 20 and 4. S-O-S-I-P-A-T-E-R. And so, and he says, my kinsmen salute you. So he names them guys by name right there off the bat. And, and really, when he's talking about kinsmen, again, it's not blood relatives. It's, he's typically, when he uses that term kinsmen, he's talking about those that are of the Jewish faith. Those that came out of, the, of Judaism and, and came to Christ Jesus. They were Jews by birth. And so he's saying, listen, my, my, my kinsmen salute you. And so it's a greeting from those Jews that he was with to those, those Christians that are now in Rome. So he gives that. Then he says, in, in Romans 16.22, and he says, And I, Tertius, who wrote this epistle, salute you in the Lord. And so who wrote the epistle? Tertius wrote it. So what was he? He was a scribe. He was Paul's scribe. And so Paul really, he made a point. He, he, typically, he used, he used this, this, this scribe in other letters as well. But he, he, what was neat about this, Paul allowed him to put his own greeting in there. And so Paul wanted to say, listen, this guy's not just some machine. He's not like a dictaphone. But this is a person that's a part of my life. 
And so, as he wrote this, as I'm giving you this revelation that God gave to me, you know, Tertius is saying, listen, I, I was a part of this as well. Man, God used me to, to pin these things or to inscribe this. And he, so he was a part of this whole process. And he played a very important role as well. Uh, he said, Gaius, in verse 23, my host, and if the whole church salutes you, uh, uh, Aratus and the, the chamberlain of the city salutes you, and, and Quartus, my brother. Uh, Chances are Gaius was probably the place where Paul, the house of Gaius was probably the place where Paul wrote this letter. And he stayed at his home, uh, which is probably in Corinth. And he wrote that letter there. Radius, it calls him here, it's the Chamberlain. And so what that was, is that was like the city treasurer. And so he was the one that was probably responsible for uh, title, deeds, and type of thing like that as far as the treasurer. So Paul you know, had obviously had friends that had you know, high positions and were, were people that were noteworthy, that were people that were... Uh, that had positions and it uh, may have also been like the city governor. And some cities have like a uh, like a uh, what do you call it? a city manager. And so this this man may have been that same type of uh, had played that same type of role there in Corinth. And Quartus, this is actually the only place that he's ever uh, he's ever mentioned. So we don't know a whole lot about his his life. Then if you look at verse uh, 20, uh, 24, uh, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. And so he's, he's bringing it right back to that place. Folks, listen, the, the, the whole gospel message is a message of grace. And that's not that, and I've said this before here early on in our teaching, that, that it's not this unmerited favor like the Old Testament. The Old, the Old Testament was the law given with unmerited favor because there was nothing deserving. God called the people out, and uh, anything that happened was based upon just God's sovereign will to do something at that time. But once Jesus Christ went to the cross of Calvary, and it was raised from the dead, everything changed. The, the merit was now not through something that was going to happen, but through the blood of Jesus. Now it became His influence upon our lives. And so that's what He comes down to. The grace of Christ be with you all. And we've always got to have that influence. He says, Now to Him that has the power to establish you according to my gospel, verse 25, and the preaching of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery which was kept secret in the, uh, since the world uh, began. And so really what He's talking about, listen, I've given you all power under heaven and earth, Matthew 28, 18. Folks, listen, there is a power that we have. Acts 1 and 8, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be a witness. And so, folks, listen, we are not powerless. We know that we can literally do all things through Christ who gives us strength. Why? Because we've been established upon that, that, that word of power, that, that, which is Christ Jesus and this word of truth, which is enables us to, to, to preach that gospel. And folks, the gospel isn't, once again, something to fill up your pockets. It's something that is designed to fill up heaven and to, to, to reconcile us right back to, to the Lord Jesus Christ. He says, according to the revelation of the mystery, which, which now, what's he doing? He's, what we're seeing now is the unfolding of that. Up to that point, it had been hidden. It had been uh, misunderstood, but now what has God done? He has brought forth the mystery. We see this in these 16 chapters of the, the, of the book of Romans. That whole, the plan of redemption. You know, in the Old Covenant, they had these types of shadows, and we spent about 10 lessons, I guess it was, just on the subject matter of the tabernacle. And it was a mystery to them. You know, they, they saw it, but if you look at the, the pattern of the tabernacle, it was a picture of Christ. Uh, all these, these implements being a, a, uh, uh, something that was pointing us towards the cross. So it was a great mystery. But now, folks, it's a mystery no longer. The great revelation of that mis, uh, mystery that had been kept secret since the world began. Why be, before the world began? Why? Because he was the lamb slain before the foundations of the world. Now that great mystery, that great act of reconciliation uh, of mankind back to him, it's there. And so, 
that that kept secret is that Sigao S I G A O and it was it was made it was a held its peace it held its peace it, it waited it waited it waited until the prime time boom where the proliferation of the gospel could be made and we talked about this earlier as well that why 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 did God choose that particular time to send His Son Jesus because it was it was a perfect time in the history of mankind everything lined up you had you had the the, the world under uh, one central type of governmental uh, entity that once the the gospel went out boom it was carried literally through all of the the places and we're here the product of God's perfect timing but now is made manifest and by the scriptures of the prophets according to the commandments of the everlasting God made known to all the nations for the obedience of faith and folks we see it today you know here when we preach this word what do we see we see it literally going out into all nations uh for the obedience of faith and so we've got to come back to that place where we're, we're the, the word of god is going out it's been made manifest and folks who's it being made manifest through you and i and so how will they know unless we preach how can we preach unless we're, we're sent how can they hear without a preacher so all of this message folks really what he put in that verse 26 is it's, it's in your hands to take it now You've been exposed to it. You've been taught it. You've had it invested in you. You're, you're a believer. Now, what are you going to do with it? Are you just going to go somewhere and set with it uh, week in and week out and thinking something's going to happen? Or are you going to allow that, 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 that the gospel according to the commandment of that everlasting God to, to, to be used through you to speak to people that are lost and dying that may not have the benefit that you and I have had to set under the Word? And for to, to God... Uh, to God, only wise, be glory through Jesus Christ forever. Uh, amen. It refers really to the fact that God is the God of wisdom and truth forever through that glory forever. Amen. And that is the, the book of Romans. It's almost like you know parting is such sweet sorrow. <laughs> you think about it. Uh, and, and folks, listen, what I, what I hope through all of this is, through all these 197 hours of teaching, on the book of Romans is that you'll take it and you'll utilize it. It's not going to be something that's going to just fill up your head that you're going to say, hey, that was really a neat experience. What am I going to do with it? But hopefully it will compel you uh, in your search of the Scripture that you'll continue to look throughout the Word of God and allow that Word to come alive unto you and to, 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 to bring you really to a place of understanding and allow them 16 chapters, those all that study that we've done in that, to become that foundation for you in your search of all the scriptures. Because what you're going to see, and I think we've revealed that throughout our teaching here, is all, all of it ties together. Every bit of it comes right back to that same place and to that same source. And it's always pointing us towards the cross of Calvary. Uh, you guys that are uh, listening to us live, Lucy's no. Uh, we're actually going to be doing the book of Revelation this coming fall. And I'll get you some dates on that. Uh, as uh, we get a little bit closer to that. But we're going to be going through the entirety of that revelation, the unveiling of, of Christ Jesus. And that's really what it is. If you're, if you're thinking, oh, great, we get to study the eschatology of the end times, there's going to be some of that in there. But I, I hope you go in, and I, and I want to say this to reinforce it, what you're going to see is the unveiling of who Jesus is in probably a way that you have never seen. It. And that's the, the powerful thing about the revelation is it presents a Christ that... that that oftentimes is, is overlooked in the Gospels and even the Epistles. It's going to produce, uh, produce the Christ that, that's going to rule and reign for all eternity. And there's a blessing attached to that book. That He, he gives a blessing to those that read the, the words of the, that book, of that revelation. So there's a blessing in it, not just from what you get, but there's a, a, revela there's a blessing coming from, uh, from just the obedience to study the revelatory book. Folks, we are out of time and we're out of the book of Romans. Thank you guys so much for being a part of this. And uh, it's, you know, I, I salute you like Paul the Apostle saluted all of those that were such a, a tremendous part. 
you know, uh, Deb's kind of been our Tertius here, inscribing many things, and, and so we, we appreciate her and appreciate all you guys who've been so diligent in this. But I'll say it for the final time in the Book of Romans, folks. Get into God's Word, and God's Word will get into you.